Hart. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM. And this is the Independent News Hour with our special uh, election edition. Actually, three hours tonight. We started at 5 o'clock, and we're going all the way to 8 o'clock. I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor-in-Chief. We've uh, had a bunch of uh, great guests uh, with us so far, and we've got more in store. We've also got our reporters out in the field. We've been hearing from uh, voters at various uh, polling stations, and we're going to hopefully hear from more voters uh, at the top of the hour. And uh, But it, for our next guest... We're going to talk with uh, indie reporter Ted Ham. Uh, Ted also in the past was an editor at Brooklyn Rail and is a journalist who's really, uh, like Tom Robbins before us, uh, follows the machinations of local politics uh, very closely and has written a number of uh, great pieces for the indie in uh, recent months and years. Ted, welcome to WBAI. Hey, John. Hey, Ted. Good Great to, to have you with us. And now uh, one one race – well, actually, before we talk about particular races, uh, one piece you had for the Independent in the past week was about how the one percent is uh, playing dirty in the elections uh, here. You know, imagine that—the rich people throwing their money around. But can you tell us, give us a little bit of an overview on uh, what's going on with the one percent and, and that money they're tossing around and who they're targeting? Sure. So there's a pack called uh, Common Sense confused with Thomas Paine's version of common sense. Uh, and, and what they are uh, promoting is the agenda of the real estate um, industry. Some people call it a community. I prefer to call it industry. Um, and they um, are targeting candidates, particularly DSA candidates, but also left-leaning candidates um, elsewhere or promoting their uh, candidates they deem to be most friendly uh, to their agenda. So the main target uh, just uh, in the last day or so has now surpassed $100,000 that they've spent against Michael Hollingsworth in uh, this district, Fort Greene through Crown Heights, that uh, Lori Cumbo's seat, the hotly contested race that we've covered extensively in the Indy. Um, and they've been smearing him as a socialist, uh, which in their ads and their mailers and so on, just using the word socialism is just supposed to set off alarm bells. I think they, Wait a minute. I thought this sounds kind of enticing to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they missed the poll in, uh, by the Manhattan Institute, the far-right organization that showed 79% support for socialism among city voters. Uh, so I, <laughs> that may be backfiring. Um, but then also uh, they've been ter- trying to play up the crime um, spike, attribute it to activists, uh, Black Lives Matter activists, uh, so on. And Hollingsworth is calling for defund, although uh, so is his real estate-backed um, opponent, main opponent, Crystal Hudson. Uh, so... Um, you know, that's obviously not an issue that they're concerned that they're, they're, they're concerned about in the sense that crime does um, imperil gentrification or uh, slow down people from coming to the city and so on. Uh, but you know, they're really worried about their own vested interests. So um, Steve Ross, the main funder of Common Sense, is the Hudson Yards developer who's got a lot of interest in what happens with the city council moving forward. Uh, the Hudson Yards has been a, a 
major expenditure with over $6 billion in public subsidies uh, and so on. So he's not really opposed to certain kinds of um, but <laughs> in any case, he's trying to, they've been trying to take out uh, Hollingsworth, they've been trying to take out Alexa Villas in Sunset Park. That seems likely. Right, you, you've written about uh, Alexa in District 38 there in, in South Yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, so they're, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, some of their candidates are no, are likely to win. Um, so I guess they, they are, they are, promoting some candidates and opposing others. Um, so we'll see the scorecard again coming out of tomorrow or coming out of tonight's results. But uh, Jaslyn Kerr out in uh, Eastern Queens, um, they are opposing her. That's, I think they're now almost equal to the expenditures on Hollingsworth. So uh, she's a DSA backed candidate out there. So they, you know, they are clearly trying to uh, snuff out the the momentum that the DSA has gained. Right. Well, I'm sure that would be unnerving for them if uh, uh, Justine Cara won out in Eastern Queens. I mean, that's not known right. as a, a hotbed of socialism, unlike some of these neighborhoods, Astoria, uh, Central Brooklyn, Sunset Park, where the socialist candidates have really flourished in the last couple of cycles. So, right. So. Yeah. In in some ways, while that their ability to throw all that money around it is, um, uh, you know, is infuriating. On the other hand, it 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 it, it does suggest uh, some fear on their part that uh, that their sort of comfortable arrangement with uh, machine Democrats is really uh, being put to the test. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I think it is. I mean, I think that's. You know, I've seen there's been a lot of sort of. Um, High-minded uh, commentary or headlines and so on about whether the left will suffer a major setback if uh, Adams wins or Yang wins, or even if Garcia wins. Um, but you know the city council is clearly uh, trending left, um, and so the DSA has six candidates. The Working Families Party has thirty candidates. Um, they're bad, so. Um, Likely, there will be a, a good number of uh, left can left wing candidates on the city council. Um, so you might, you'll get a mix of uh, this being a, a good year for the left uh, in terms of the lower ballot races, but then at the top, uh, not necessarily. And I think, right. as, you, as, as you heard with what what Tom Robbins was saying about Maya Wiley, you know she's. That's the standard bearer of the left right now. That she's not the most um, worse. She's not. She's not really. I mean, she's always been associated with the Blasio. Anyway, that's a, in fact a problem with her campaign was trying to figure out how to claim she wasn't associated with the Blasio when she was, and that's <laughs> come back to uh, be a, a, a recurring um, recurring storylines about the, the, the negative things that she was. Involved with under De Blasio when she could have been taking credit for the positive things, or, or at least associating herself with the positive things. She had uh, members of De Blasio's first term, his team that were responsible for UPK, uh, were some of her biggest supporters, and so on. So she, you know, there was a different way she could have gone, but um, Monday morning, Wednesday morning quarterbacking, I guess. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of uh, rich people throwing their money around, another race that you followed really closely and wrote about again uh, today for the Independent uh, is the Manhattan District Attorney race. Uh, there's eight candidates on the ballot. Uh, by far the wealthiest is uh, uh, Tali Farhadian uh, Weinstein. Uh, her husband's a, a hedge fund manager on Wall Street. Uh, the family wealth is thought to be upwards of a half billion dollars in uh, she recently, we recently learned uh, that she had uh, self-funded uh, eight million dollars to herself in the uh, last month to uh, add to the millions of dollars in uh, money she'd already received from uh, wealthy uh, Wall Street uh, tycoons. Can you talk about what she's up to? I mean, with this incredible amount of uh, money she's spending, and and also how she is spending it. What is she spending it on? Sure. Well, uh, just one thing that we. Um, Reported a few months ago, uh, one of the other campaigns, Tahani Abushi's campaign, supported by the Working Families Party, um, uh, they accused, or referred to her as a billionaire. Um, and that was not challenged by uh, Weinstein's campaign. So they may be, not, not to get in this dumb conversation about, well, who's a real billionaire and who's not a billionaire? So with Trump. Uh, <laughs> but she may be a billionaire. Oh, yeah. Quite, I, I stopped counting after I made my first half billion. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, so she's dumped at least $8.2 down the stretch uh, into her self-financing after telling people she wouldn't self-finance because she was already raising over four, uh, upwards of $4.5 million from – the 1% from Wall Street types, um, charter school funders, uh, real estate developers, that, that crowd. Uh, and then she decided, and, and it may, you know, we'll see what happens. May, that This may have been a major blunder on her part if she does not win, uh, because it did generate this uh, flurry of negative stories about her over the last 10 days of the campaign trying to buy the election. Right? It was quite blatant uh, that she was doing so. And then, then she um, Can you talk a, a little bit about what, she was spent, what she's been spending that money on? Because that's also created some controversy. Right. So, yeah, the smear campaign ads, um, mailers, and so on, um, attacking Alvin Bragg, uh, who seemed to be uh, a leading contender, um, and he's uh, a black um, former uh, deputy attorney general from Harlem uh, who has the support of the Central Park Five or the exonerated five, as he calls them. Uh, and yet now Weinstein has been smearing him, saying he's um, unfair to rape victims um, and uh, that and the only way that they're stretching that, trying to establish that, is that he, um, because of his call for the Central Park Five prosecutor, Linda Fairstein, to have her uh, convictions um, reviewed, or other convictions reviewed, that that somehow would put rape victims into, um, re, you know, re revive the uh, horror that they experienced. Right. Just to just to clarify that for our listeners, if there's any who aren't familiar with the history of the Central Park Five, uh, Linda Fairstein, working in conjunction with the NYPD, 
went to outrageous lengths to to frame these five uh, teenagers who became known as the Central Park Five, who spent over a decade in prison uh, on a, a rape conviction that was completely manufactured um, from uh, uh, false confessions that were extracted from these boys when they were 14, 15 years old. Um, and, and of course, the, the the real perpetrator of the of the brutal rape that occurred in in Central Park in uh, 1989. Uh, Went for, managed to stay free for another decade uh, before he was finally caught after committing more crimes. So uh, Fairstein's role in all that is uh, atrocious. And, and so for uh, for Hadian to somehow uh, try to uh, uh, question um, uh, or for 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 Hadian to uh, hold up uh, uh, Fairstein as uh, some sort of um, uh, prosecutor who, whose uh, whose work uh, should be defended. Uh, uh, it, it's really incredible. It is it, either a desperation there or a, a certain brazenness. Yeah. I mean, uh, she was also making wrongful convictions at the outset of her campaign, as a story I wrote today. That was going to be one of her most important issues uh, when she started out. And she was laying claim to work that had been done at the Brooklyn DA's office when she was there for two years as the general counsel to the Dallas, and they set up a post-conviction justice bureau, which they had already established a conviction review unit. And under uh, Ken Thompson, they had exonerated um, two dozen or so um, wrongful convictions. So uh, then um, that slowed down under Gonzalez, but even so, uh, uh, Farhadi and Weinstein, was, was, she was laying claim to that being a major innovation and so on. Um, but then she was also there when uh, the case that we've covered extensively, the John Juca case, uh, she was general counsel when the team, uh, executive team at the office was trying to figure out how to continue to move forward in that case, uh, even though there's uh, a, a long list of evidence they withheld and misconduct and so on uh, by the prosecutor, Anderson Nicolazzi. So, uh, you know, she, she's how much she's played a role in trying to um, uh, uh, resist or, or expose prosecutorial misconduct is, is certainly an open question, but that probably is a little more um, in, de- in depth than most voters are going to go at this point. So what they're seeing now is, uh, you know, this flurry of ads, uh, mailers, relentless amount of mailers. People live in Manhattan and people say they've seen her on Facebook all the time, um, popping up and so on. And, uh, feels like she's been camping out in my that. Facebook feed for the last couple of months. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Right. I mean, I don't, in Brooklyn, I don't use Facebook that much, so uh, I, I didn't see it, but. Um, it's an <laughs> occupational plenty hazard. Plenty of people vouch for that. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, beyond, uh, you know, for Hadi and uh, Weinstein's, uh, you know, shenanigans here, what would it mean if, um, you know, if, if uh, Alvin Bragg won, how much uh, change could we see at the um, DA's office? And obviously there's other candidates in the race, but the latest polls that came out just in the last few days uh, really showed it to be a two-candidate race at this point with uh, uh, Bragg running equal to or even slightly ahead of uh, Farhadian and all the other candidates uh, still in single digits. So before we have to leave here, 
real quickly, what, what's possibly at stake in terms of how uh, the Manhattan DA's office could finally be changed for the better? Well, uh, uh, conviction review, for sure. I mean, the Vance has had a conviction review unit and it's been dormant. And then obviously um, changing its uh, position regarding low-level prosecutions, misdemeanor prosecutions, non-prosecutions of sex work. That, you know, so you have the decarceral candidates, Eliza Orleans, Dan Quirk, um, Bushi, who I mentioned before. Uh, you know, they are more to the left. So Bragg is there as the sort of progressive in the middle. He's um, comparable to Gonzalez, I would say. Um, maybe a little more to the left and maybe a little more. Certainly um, knows what's going on. It's just he's, he's temperamentally moderate. So, uh, you know, that we'll see what we will see what happens. But I think those fact that the, the, the problem we've seen and we've written about in India is that those three decarceral candidates could hurt Bragg's chances. Hopefully that um, won't happen, uh, and, and, but we'll find out soon enough. There's no ranked choice voting, so in this race, we're going to find out sooner than others. We don't have to wait for the, um, about the ranked choice run, um, counting. Right. Well, we'll have to leave it there, but uh... Uh, Ted Ham, indie reporter, uh, has been covering a lot of the races uh, for us this cycle. Thank you so much for joining us on our uh, election night special edition. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you soon.